Welcome to Dual Win Games Episode 3. In Table Talk, we discuss combat resolution. We are joined by Rob from Gap Closure Games to talk about his Kickstarter game, Rival Restaurants. We review Western Legends and Dead of Winter, and we go over our top 10 thematic games. We are your hosts. Aaron Schmidt. Ryan Gast. Tim Stearns. So today is combat resolution in Table Talk. Good, bad, you know. Good, bad, whatever. Yeah, what do you like, what you don't like. Yeah. What you'd like to see done. Aaron? Well, typically in combat, I I know it's utilized a lot, uh, dice rolling, and I am just bad at it, typically. <laughs> old Snake Eyes Schmidt. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but I think that a game like Chaos in the Old World does it well. I, I like the... Um, exploding dice that kind of thing from chaos yeah those are always fun because arcadia quest has that too so it's always like okay you're gonna roll and you might have a shot where you can just keep rolling and keep rolling and once in a while you hit that streak where it's like six 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 and it's just going nuts you yeah that upset victory yeah, yeah. yep <laughs> just smash corn down yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's that's one in exception to the dice rolling for me anyways for combat yeah for me i think uh it's different for every game but when it's player versus player combat i like less luck but i don't want it 100 percent deterministic right still but when it's player versus the game more luck is okay for me i'm all right with having more luck involved in the combat mm-hmm. why is that I think when you're going against someone else, you want to have a better feeling of how you're going to do. It's usually a competitive game then as well, you know. I don't know. It's just that's just kind of how I feel like with the combat. Mm-hmm. You want it like brain versus brain. Yeah, like, and you know. there's still that you don't know exactly because it's right. a battle and whatnot. You're not sure what's going to happen. But for me, I TI three, I do not like the downtime in that combat at all. It's especially if you're not in the battle. It's awful. Because it can take a long time, you're rolling a lot of dice, and you just check out. Um, Scythe, I know that's not really a combat-driven game, but when you do have the combat, it's pretty boring, because you can usually tell every time who's going to win it. Yeah, if someone's got a lot more power. Yeah, a lot more power, and you can play a card, but uh, it's... Mm-hmm. At least in that, you know, you, if you play at least one power, you get to draw some combat cards for yeah. the future. You know, I like that at least. Um, Rising Sun, I didn't like the combat on that. The bidding, I'm not big on the Cry Havoc or Rising Sun combat because it's got that board, whether it's hidden or open, I don't like that. And the bidding in Rising Sun, I just didn't like it. It just felt, oh, bid on this one, and then they bid on those two. It just, I don't know, it just didn't fit me well. I like the combat in Nexus Ops, in that one. You're rolling dice against each other, but you do it in order the strongest unit will roll first, and both teams' strongest unit rolls, and then the next strongest, and it goes down the line to the weakest unit. You only do one round of combat, and it's done with, so it's super quick. Mm -hmm. And then you can also play cards during the combat as well to change things up. Yeah, I always like that in combat, when you can play some kind of reactionary card. Yeah, or pre-roll card. Just different things like that really changes it up. Kemet, I like the combat in that a lot too. It's base, it's all card play, but everyone's got their own set of cards. They might have access to certain cards, or they might have used them already, and they don't get them back until they 
use all their combat cards and you grab them all again and you can use them. And that you can play cards as well. I like when you can play cards secretly or all of a sudden reaction mm -hmm. cards like you said, Aaron. And then the Command and Color series, I like the combat in that. I mean, it's nothing crazy. Just rolling but, dice yeah, you straight. Just, yeah. But I have to say, Kemet and Nexus Ops are probably my two favorite combat systems. My favorite type of combat would be rolling dice, but where you have something that can influence the dice. So, say maybe your unit's a little different. So maybe you roll a different type of dice that might hit more or not, whichever the case is. Or And then also where, like you said, Aaron, where if you roll the dice, say if you get a one, maybe you've got a card that you can re-roll or maybe a unit has a special power that can re-roll. That's kind of my favorite style of combat because it still has the randomness. You know, you're not quite sure what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Anything can happen in it, but you can influence it a little bit. But do you feel that the combat needs to be quick for that? or Yeah, so like you said, TI3, the Twilight Imperium combat, that does take a long time. And yes, if you're not in the combat, it can be really boring just sitting there because it's a long game already. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you want to be able to keep that quickly going. Yeah. Do I have a game specifically... I, I'm a big fan of the 1775 and the Vikings because mm -hmm. each faction has their own dice. Right. And that, you know, one faction's, most of their units just run away. Occasionally they do hit. You know, there's some randomness, but it does have, these guys are better at fighting. These guys are better at doing that. So that's one, one that comes to mind right away. Uh, Aaron, you mentioned the, the exploding dice in... Chaos. Chaos in the old world. Also, Arcadia Quest. I like those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the ones that, I, that come to mind. Yeah, it's a tricky thing to do. It depends on the game. But then you got to make it quick, and you got to make the combat exciting, too, and then you move on. Yeah, you got to engage people. Yep. You can't be, okay, we're, we're engaged in combat, and now Aaron's going to sit here for 20 minutes watching us roll dice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think that my favorite is probably, it's not a board game, but it would be Dungeons & Dragons. You know, everyone is different, and you're rolling different dice based on the weapons you're using yeah. or your your spells that you're casting, and everyone's so different. Yeah. That's, rolling that D20, that's, yeah. that's hard to condense into a board game. Yeah, because that's so in-depth, and right. you have so many options available. Exactly. But and, that, yeah. And that's got the downtime, too. But, I mean, that's more understandable. That's just the nature of the, the games. Yeah. But, yeah. I'll throw this in there, too. I know you guys haven't really played it, but the bolt-action system where... I've played it. Well... A couple times. <laughs> a couple times. But, so, where you're going to roll a base, you know, threes to hit. But now your rifle only shoots so far. So now, if it's long range, now it's four to hit. Now, is the... the unit you're trying to shoot at, are they in cover? So now it's, oh, that's soft cover, it's another point, you know. So that's kind of cool, I like that, where it's kind of upscales it, or if you're... It depends on what type of weapon, too, right? Yep. See, I think that's good for someone like you and your brother, because you guys play it so much. Yeah, that's... Someone that's new, or, you know, they're sitting there looking at a book, paging through, right. trying, you know. But yeah, it's... The steep learning curve, yes, but once you get into it, 
I find it really rewarding. It's yeah. like, oh, that's, that's cool because we can Once you know quickly it, figure out. It would be a lot of fun. Yep. And that's the same for D&D. You know, mm-hmm. you're playing with a brand new player. you got 70 stats you're looking at, and you don't know yeah. what you're rolling. And you're just like, you've been waiting for ages to use a certain spell <laughs> that you've been holding on to. You're just like, this yep. is my opportunity. Yep. <laughs> and you roll one. Yep. <laughs> and, and you kill a teammate. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I have for combat yeah. resolutions. Yeah. yeah. So that wraps up our table talk about combat resolution. I recently had the opportunity to sit down and do an interview with a company that has a board game on Kickstarter. So before we get to our reviews of the week, I present that interview. Hey, everyone. This is Tim, and I'm joined with a special guest, Rob. He's from Gap Closer Games, and he's here to talk about his Kickstarter project, Rival Restaurant. Yes, I am. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. Uh, so why don't you tell us about uh, tell us about your game? Yeah, so Rival Restaurants is, a, is the first game uh, put on by Gap Closer Games, and it is a competitive restaurant-owning game for three to six players where Reve- revenge is the dish best served cold and hot. Nice. So the goal of the game to be the best restaurant then yeah so the goal of the game is to be the first restaurant to hit uh 20 popularity points or 20 likes uh you could think of it as 20 victory points um and the way you do that is you cook recipes um you're given a basic recipe and a gourmet recipe and so what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the correct ingredients so you can make these recipes and each recipe is worth a different amount of points uh, but just like in real life when you cook something you also get garbage which is like a negative currency um, and so that's the basic gist of the game. Uh, fairly straightforward in terms of the concept, uh, but it's all the other stuff that makes it really exciting and fun. So what? Um, so that garbage then that you collect during the game, there's ways to get rid of it. I'm assuming. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So we built this game to really, really simulate restaurant owning uh, as much as we could, while also, of course, adding a lot of fun. So um, the whole idea of garbage is, generally speaking, if you've ever cooked before, uh, things that are more simple have less garbage, and things that are more complicated have more garbage. And uh, in our game, the way it works is if you work on a basic recipe, they're easier, worth less points, and have less garbage. Gourmet recipes uh, are harder to do, require more recipes, and are uh, worth more points, but also have more garbage. And the way you get rid of it is you go to something called the island, which is a location on our game board, which represents kind of like your restaurant supplier. And you have to pay uh, to get rid of and clean this garbage, which work at a restaurant, you actually have to do. Um, so it's kind of like a anti, you could, uh, mechanically, it's kind of like an anti-snowballing mechanism. Um, one of the things in our game is that you, uh, it doesn't just allow you for just cause you do well in the beginning, doesn't mean you're going to dominate the entire game and guarantee you victory. Though, of course you certainly could. Mm-hmm. Cool. So how did you come up with the idea for this game? Yeah. So, uh, let me see if I can do the, give you the condensed version. Uh, I got into, well, firstly, I got into games because when I was in college, I went to UCLA, go Bruins. Um, and in my free time, uh, I just figured, asked myself, what's something I'll never have time to do again? And I thought to myself, why don't I make a board game? And, uh, well, I, I did. And here I am. (laughs) There's a lot more steps along the way, but, um, yeah, I thought it'd be cool. We want, we, we used board games as a means of help connecting people in college, like um, helping people build relationships. And we found that we would, I would cook for people, uh, me and my uh, 
well, she's not my wife. Um, we would cook for people and we would play board games with them. And there were a lot of things I was like, man, I wish there were board games that had more of this and less of that and all these things. And I said, well, you know, I guess since I'm making a board game, I can kind of try to incorporate those things. And uh, yeah, so Rival Restaurants was born. Uh, we got the idea from trying to pick something that was relatable that people could kind of understand. Like restaurant owning is a pretty straightforward idea, but most people probably won't be able to do it. So the idea was taking something relatable that people can understand. And then we made it really silly because if you see in the games, it's, it's like restaurant owning, but then you can attack each other with ninjas and bring in the mafia and infest them with aliens and rob their store. So things that don't normally happen, obviously. No, that's cool. So I guess that brings me to one of my other questions. Um, you had talked about bringing people together. So is that how you came up with the name of your company as well, the Gap Closer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, our our company is called Gap Closer because the whole idea is we want to close the gap between people through games. My wife and I are all about bringing people together. Uh, we think that's really valuable in the digital age. I mean, we it's really easy for people to spend so much time on screens. And I play video games myself. Me and my wife both do. <laughs> But having said that, we think it's so important for people to be able to engage with people in shared experiences. For, like it could be sports, it could be art, whatever it is. Board games is one of many good ways to spend time with people. Um, at a personal level, we found that at a lot of family get-togethers, it's often very common for some families as, as you get older. Um, for your family get-togethers to be, you eat a lot of food for a long time, you reminisce about the past and then complain about the present. And there wasn't a lot more to continue to build new experiences. And so we found board games was a great tool. And we wanted to make board games that would be appealing to uh, kids, kind of like older kids, as well as grown adults and even uh, parents with grown children. And that's hopefully the market that we're trying to appeal to. We just want to help bring families together, give them one more option of how to spend time together. So, yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, truly a lot of people get into this hobby of, you know, playing games and stuff like that with the intent to bring people together, to get families together, friends together. I mean, people yeah, that's from, awesome. from all walks of life. So that that's awesome. So I guess getting back to the game mm-hmm. with, uh, I guess, play testing and balancing, how long, uh, how long of a process was that? Oh yeah. So um, we are on our eighth year since the game has been conceived, oh, wow. um, which I know is unusual um, though. In truth, I mean, I didn't start off as, I didn't really think we would actually make a board game. I mean, eight years ago, I um, this game was made on the back of my college lecture slides. So it was like cut a piece of paper and I used actual pennies and nickels as in-game currency. That's how poor I was. And it was stored in a shoebox. Um, so what you see today is a culmination of just a lot of, man, just years and years of development. Having said that, answering your original question, um, it's been eight years. We've, I wanna say we've had thousands of people play the game. We've, uh, we've we've lost track at a certain point, but we have reviews from hundreds and hundreds of people, and then the actual people play it. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a lot. So that's how long it's taken us. We spent a lot of time uh, really thinking through the math of playtesting. I like to think that um, I make a hobby out of breaking board games and try to find uh, how to break them. So we tried our we've been trying our best to playtest and balance, and that's something we're really really proud of. I think that our game is. Uh, more well play tested than uh, uh, at least many uh, a number a good number of games out there, and we're very happy with the product. And I think one thing that shows in that is in most games, everyone is right at the end of winning. Um, everyone's really close, and it's a game where you can actually come back. I find in a lot of games it's hard to make a real comeback 
this game we've seen it done time and time again. Uh, a common question we get is, did you know? Did you come up with the the mechanics of the game first, or the stuff of the theme? And for us, it kind of came hand in hand. But in short, we we picked the theme first. For me, it was really important philosophically that the game, whatever the game is about, that it really simulates that idea. What I mean by that is, if we're gonna make a cooking game, which we did, or a restaurant owning game, we really wanted to make it you feel like this is owning a restaurant. Um, some of my critiques of other games are that they're really fun mechanically, but I don't really feel they're strongly tied to whatever it's about. You're moving blocks and these blocks represent wizards or cheeseburgers or random things. And it just doesn't really feel like you're really simulating what the game is supposed to be about. Um, you're just moving little plastic pieces and it's not that engaging. The whole idea of the game is built from asking what would restaurant owning feel like in a board game? And so one thing that makes our game uh, different from many games is it's always your turn. And that's probably the thing, one of the components mechanically that uh, people most enjoy. Our thing is uh, it's always your turn because in the restaurant business, time waits for no one. And so if you played most games where there's a trading component, say Settlers of Bataan, great game, it can take forever if you and I are both deciding to trade cheap for wheat and the other people might be growing a longer beard or getting coffee because we're taking forever. And there's really no way to punish us for going slow, except for maybe our friends want to invite us back. In our game, it's timed. So each phase of the game, uh, there's three phases, money and move, buy and batter, cook and counter, and each phase is timed. Well, the, the, main, the, the trading phase is timed. And so all the trading and all the buying happens at the same time. And you only get one minute to do all of it. Kind of just like in real life, if you don't buy groceries and you go home and don't you take forever. You just don't have forever. You don't have an infinite amount of time to buy groceries. And if you go home and don't have groceries, you're just not going to eat food. So in our game, we you get punished if you take forever to make a business deal because that's actually how the real world is. And that's one of our things is we try to keep have games that kind of simulate simulate real life mechanics and dynamics, but also make it really fun, uh, make it very silly. Uh, so yeah, that's one thing that uh, we're really proud of. So one thing that struck me when I first saw the project was the art. I really like that art style. Um, yeah. I think it looks looks incredible. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the artist? Yeah, absolutely. So our artist is on our team. We have that privilege. Her name is Audrey Chung. She She's a friend from college. We met each other at church. In fact, our whole team uh, used to go to church together at one point. Uh, not anymore. Now we're all spread around. Yeah, she's an amazing artist. Um, I can't speak to you enough. If, if you guys like her art, you can you can Google her. She just has phenomenal stuff. The way this game came about was, um, if you remember back when I said this game was just literally pieces, poorly cut pieces of paper on the back of my like history class lecture slides or something. And my friend Audrey came over for dinner with some friends. And, you know, she asked how things are going. I was like, oh, yeah, I made a board game for fun. She's like, can I play it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? She played it. We had a lot of fun. This was in the more infantile stages of the game. And she said, hey, can I draw it? And I was like, you mean like illustrate it? She's like, yeah. I was like, um, yeah, uh, if you want to. And she said, yes. She was in an art school and she wanted something to, uh, I guess you could say her senior project that showed kind of a consistent body of work. And she drew it. And so, it, I don't know, I want to say like two years later or something, I kind of forgot about the game and uh, she comes back to you later, shows me the art. And I was like, wow, my jaw dropped to the floor. And I was just like, this is amazing. She could do everything and anything. Um, so, I mean, she, to, to give you guys some perspective, she d- developed those characters from looking at a little square piece of paper where I gave, all she had to work with was a name and a chef power. And then she just, I kind of maybe gave her some feedback, like thoughts, like what it might look like. But I mean, it's really a hundred percent her artwork. It's all yeah. her from her 
mind. Yeah. Cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the Kickstarter then? How's it how's it going? Uh, is it going kind of how you thought, or is it going better than how you thought, or what? Are you, how do you feel on that? Yeah. No. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, th this was our first Kickstarter. In fact, I'm slightly ashamed to say I've never even backed a Kickstarter project before, largely because uh, you know I'm poor um, or been poor. Um, and so this was the first time we've launched a Kickstarter for my whole team. Uh, for everyone out there. We are not game designers by trade. None of them are. This is not our industry. This is for all of us a hobby, like a passion project. So none of us, like we went in knowing nothing about kickstarting, nothing about board game design. We were probably just like you who sat there and were like, dude, board games are cool. Uh, it's been a multi-year process. We took, uh, my team grew from two to five. I also have uh, Gary Laka, John King, uh, and Jeff Young, who have been great helps. So it was our first time. We didn't really know what to expect. I mean, we were just hoping... Uh, we had very low expectations. We were just hoping that we'll get funded. Yeah, in the first, we got funded in 36 hours, which was uh, so humbling. We were so thankful, especially this is the first time. Like no one really knew about us. Uh, we it's been 13 days later. We're at 81,000. Oh, uh, we just almost 82,000 dollars. We were really pleased. Um, if you're familiar with Kickstarter, you, know, you usually have a strong start, and there's like it kind of levels out. It's lower in the middle, and then a start uh, or a strong end. Uh, we've had a 40-day campaign, and we and we've been really pleased. I think we um, we're doing a lot better than we expected, and we're really thankful. We've had a lot of help from Instagrammers uh, that have helped us. We're really, really thankful for them. They've really helped us, and what we've been really pleased with is the community has been nothing short of supportive and encouraging. Yeah, they've just been really kind. We've worked with other kicks people who've done successful Kickstarters. They give us a lot of helpful feedback, so we're we're happy. Um, you know, we're we're pleased and. We're just trying to do the best we can and, you know, uh, trying to communicate well with our backers. So we're about to uh, release some Kickstarter exclusives. Uh, hasn't been released yet, but very soon. Uh, if you check out, we'll, I think some, hopefully sometime this week, we'll release some really awesome content that I'm really excited and really want to tell you about, but I can't. So. <laughs> I did see you had two different tiers. Yes. That uh, one's a upgraded component and then one's the retail version. Yeah, absolutely. So the retail edition... Assuming that we're able to do well enough to produce surplus copies, um, the hope is to be able to sell online or in, in stores one day if uh, with community help. And and so the retail edition would be your base game that you can buy brick and mortar stores. Mm -hmm. The deluxe edition is what you might say is our, has some upgraded components like acrylic tokens. They're like really nice pieces that are made out of stuff that's similar to aquarium glass. Having said that, we, uh, we are very soon about to release uh, a bunch of Kickstarter exclusive content in that pledge. Uh, so if I were you, I would, if you like that stuff, I would totally back it. We're gonna, we have some pretty fun and exciting stuff that's only gonna be available there. Um, we're just working on making sure it's all ready uh, to release to the public. So, but mm -hmm. yeah, the deluxe edition is gonna have, it's gonna have all of our Kickstarter exclusive stuff that's coming out this week. Okay, so when do you actually plan on uh, delivering the game after the campaign? Yeah, so the estimated delivery is October, 2019. Uh, fairly standard for Kickstarter uh, first run games. Uh, it could come a little bit sooner, it could come slightly later, but we're pretty confident that October uh, is very doable. So definitely mm -hmm. be here well before Christmas. Do you plan on going to any other conventions this year, any other bigger ones or anywhere people can stop by and say hi and check yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys, um, so the next one we have uh, scheduled, the first one we have scheduled is actually in February. So it's coming up really soon at the very end of our campaign. Uh, we're going to be at OrCon, which is an LAX, so for any of my SoCal people, OrCon, we're going to be there. But uh, yeah, we'll be there. We're really friendly. We'd love to talk to you, try out the game. 
and you'll be able to buy it on Kickstarter during that time. Also, during March, we're going to be uh, at Dice Tower West in Vegas, which is uh, March uh, 6th through 10th. So our, um, our team's going to be there as well. Um, in terms of future uh, conventions, we are looking at, you know, uh, uh, Gen Con, uh, Future Unplugged, uh, Strategic Con, and um, other ones. Not 100% sure yet. We haven't got that far. It kind of depends on how things do and how we go. Cool. So we have those are two. So, so those two we have lined up, and we'll be there as vendors. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, you know, looking at the whole package and everything there, it looks like um, looks like you're cooking up a good time with the oh, game. Thanks, thank you. Yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, getting to you know, talk with you guys. Yeah, and best of luck with uh, with the Kickstarter campaign and everything else down the road. All right, awesome. Thank you. Check out Rival Restaurants before the Kickstarter ends on February 19th, 2019. Let's get into our first review for today, and that is Western Legends. Western Legends is designed by Herve Lemitri and published by Colossal Games in 2018. It plays two to six players in 60 to 90 minutes. Western Legends is a sandbox game where players are taking on the roles of historical figures from the Wild West, trying to earn the most legendary points to win the game. Some players will become outlaws, collecting wanted points, and others lawmen, earning martial points. During the game, players will be doing a plethora of things like robbing the bank, rustling cattle, stealing from another player, dueling, arresting a wanted player, fighting bandits, wrangling cattle, visiting the general store, playing poker digging up gold, as well as obtaining equipment and weapons, like a 10-gallon hat, whiskey. The West is a wild place where many things are possible, and anything goes, so long as the lawman doesn't turn you in. The player with the most legendary points at the end of the game is the winner, and history only remembers the most legendary. So, what would you say for the component quality in this game? I think it's pretty good. Uh, it looks good on the table. I like the, uh, the cards... Like the backs of them, they like the little poker. Yeah, it looks like a poker, yeah. poker chips yeah. and stuff like that. I like the, I like the art. They kept that uh, that style. It makes you feel old westy. Yeah, I like the Through board. It. Yeah, board looks cool. It looks good on the table. Yeah, the only issue I have with the board art is that at times the lines that separate the regions can be hard to see for movement. So actually, the last time we played. One of the guys in our group, he got confused and he was looking at the board where there was a piece of hair on the board. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not terrible. It's not it's not going to break the game or anything like that, but you got to kind of... Make sure you don't got any thick hair out there. Yeah, make sure yeah. you don't got big thick hairs laying on the board. Make sure you're playing in good light. Yeah. Would probably help. Yeah, glare would you yeah. know, obscure that. But yeah, they make the boards a little bit thicker. That's not a problem. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, the components, like the minis, they're nice. Yep, minis uh, are decent. I'd always like to see painted minis, but, you know, <laughs> who's got time for that? <laughs> I do have to say, I really like the general store, Standy. Oh, yeah. So they could have easily just had, okay, you you got a pile of cards as the general store, and you can pick them up and shuffle through them whenever you want. With the Standy, it's kind of cool. It's just a cardboard thing you put together after you punch it out, and it... You can easily look up and see what's in the general store. Okay, this is worth 
yeah. 30 or 20 or whatever the case is, and you can easily see what's yeah, on there. Yeah, that's cool. Everyone at the table besides the guy who's... Behind it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then he's out of luck, but you just don't sit there. Yeah, right. just don't sit behind it. But yeah, it's... So how strong is the theme in this game? I'd say it's pretty thematic. Um, not crazy for me, but, you know, you, you're traveling around doing a bunch of western-y stuff, you know, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> you can really do whatever you want, so and that's kind of you know, how the old Wild West was. So yeah, yeah. The, the theme really comes out for me. The last time we played, I mean, it was just nonstop Western movie references and just yep. just hamming it up the whole time, just having just having fun, you know. Just yeah, like like role playing through the story cards, you know. <laughs> that comes out like some bandits outside of yeah. town. Come in. Hoop and holler. Yeah, exactly. That that's I'm always fun. <laughs> exactly. So that's always cool for me for the immersion in the theme. Mm-hmm. You know, the the players will make it too, you know, if everyone's on board with doing that, it makes it a lot more fun. Right. If you got one guy that has no interest in role playing it or acting it up, right. it could bring it down. But. I like the whole you're running around fighting off bandits, and if you fight them off, you're going up on the martial track. You know, you're doing good, so that helps with the immersion for me. Um, I have found that prospecting, digging up gold, and then just going selling it and hitting up the cabaret, <laughs> it's a pretty good way to get points. <laughs> it is good. So, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, it's a cool theme, and it's not utilized enough. So what do you think of the gameplay in general? For me, this game's kind of like a buffet. A lot of people love buffets. (laughs) I personally am not big on buffets. I like the idea of all this food in front of me. But when it gets down to it, I'd rather have eaten one really good meal instead of my cold chicken, overcooked steak, stale bread, and half-baked fries. Uh, Who gets steak at a buffet, though? You got all this food, you're like, oh, I want to try this, I want to try that. And none of it lives up to your expectations. Bad buffets, I guess. Well, I, I, I see what you're saying. It's like a big mini game. Yeah, for me, it's a big series of mini games. Yeah, it's like a bunch of mini games with some half baked ideas and mechanics, and it, this never fully develops for me. I got bored between my turns. Like the poker and the combat is kind of lackluster. I like the, uh, the idea of the martial track and the wanna track a lot. I really like that. That's fun. Yeah, just it's. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's definitely not my style. Like a sandbox game is not for me. Yeah, I definitely get how you could say you know there's all these little things to do. Uh, that sandbox theme. I whenever I play it, I just kind of like pick a route and go with that one. I you know if I'm rustling cattle this game, that's what I'm doing this game. Uh, I'm not trying to get out there and do every single one. If I'm heading for the Marshall track, I typically go all Marshall. Maybe that's not the best, you know, optimal way to play, but that's the strategy that I've found useful anyways. You know, I'm prospecting for gold, turning it into the bank, going to the cabaret, blowing it all in a night, yeah. and just racking up points. But Yeah, as far as, like, the sandboxy part of it, I, I really enjoy it. I like having the different options of you know do i want to go rob a bank do i want to go rob another player you know do i want to be a marshal and uh you know to your point earlier where you said prospecting gold was pretty 
powerful. powerful. So I think part of that might have been my fault in a way, because I was the only wanted player in the four-player game. And I w- basically how I was getting wanted points was I was just robbing the bank. And then I would go and play poker or something like that. And the the guy in our group that was doing the prospecting route, I should have been going after him more. Because he was just free range. Hey, I'm digging up gold. And then he got the prospecting map. And he was getting more gold. And then he had a donkey. And he can carry more gold. And he was just going nuts. <laughs> and way too late in the game, I was like, oh, that's my bad. I should have been attacking you. Because he didn't have many poker cards. He didn't, you know. Yeah. So you got to kind of keep an eye on that. And that's kind of, um, I don't know if it's a negative. I wouldn't say it's a negative for me about the game. But you got to kind of keep an eye on what other people are doing a little bit, because if one person's just going crazy for one thing and you let them go, yeah, you got to rein people. You got to rein them in. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll just run away with it. Yeah. What would you give this for a final rating? Uh, me, it's I played it once. Maybe I need to play it again. Maybe, but I already know it's not my kind of game. Um, I'd probably give it a six. Well, for me, the handful of times I have played it, I've really enjoyed I've, the theme, all of it. Uh, I would play other games first, but I think I'd rate it about a seven and a half. So I like this one quite a bit, uh, and I would rate it eight, eight and a half, somewhere in that mark. Mm-hmm. You, you guys mentioned the poker. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big poker player to begin with. So I need the little cheat sheet to know what the hands are. Right. So I don't really have a preference, good or bad, about how the poker's played. You know, sure, it might be a little better with, uh, you know, more of a flop or however it works out. But um, that I don't, I don't mind. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd probably bump it up to like an eight if the poker was like an actual hand of poker instead of like a mini poker. Hand. Yeah, so, yeah, there's an expansion coming out. Uh, it's called Annie Up. So it adds another board, a smaller board next to it. It adds like a little town. But it also, um, it has a train, so you can do train heists. There's different events. More options at the buffet, it sounds More like. options at your buffet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but at the, it says there's a variant on poker. Mm. I'm not, I haven't seen exactly what that is. But also there's a different gambling could game. could be a fun variant. You may be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a fun variant for you. I don't know. Well, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited. One thing, before I forget to mention it, yeah, I do wish that the story cards were a little more geared towards your characters. Sure. So, because you have a character, everyone has a historical character they play the game with. So I wish the stories, like at the start of the game, you shuffle in story cards that pertain to Annie Oakley or, you know, Wild Bill or whoever. Gotcha. Whoever's in the game. So as the game's going on, it's not just a random story. Right. Maybe it's a historical event that happened. Yeah, you shuffle in certain ones pertaining to the characters in the game. Yeah. I think that would be pretty cool to help really bring the theme out and the kind of the history of it, of the Old West, too. Mm. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So that wraps up our review of Western Legends. Let's move on to our second review, and that is Dead of Winter. 
Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game, is designed by Isaac Vega and Jonathan Gilmore. It was published by Plaid Hat Games in 2014. It plays 2 to 5 players in 60 to 120 minutes. Dead of Winter is a semi-cooperative game where it puts players in a colony trying to survive a hazardous winter in the aftermath of the zombie apocalypse. The colony has an objective they are trying to complete, but each player also controls a group of survivors within that colony that has a secret objective they are trying to accomplish. Only players who have completed their secret objective when the game ends will win. The game can end in a variety of ways. If the morale track reaches zero, if the round track reaches zero, or if the main objective is completed. During the setup, players are dealt secret objectives which will give them a goal they need to accomplish to win the game. There is also a chance that one player is a hidden traitor who has their own dastardly plans to win the game. Each round, players will be dealing with a crisis within the colony. Players will take actions such as searching for supplies at different locations while trying to avoid being bitten by zombies, spreading the infection, and being killed. Some characters will want to stay at the colony to keep morale up and fight off the living dead. When the game ends, each player reveals their secret objective, and all players who have successfully completed the objectives listed on their card win the game. So, what do you guys think about the component quality and artwork in this one? I, uh... I really like the artwork. I like the character art a lot. I think it was done by uh, Fernanda Suarez, mm-hmm. but it really fits well. Gives it a lot of personality. Um, I think the rest of the components are fine. Not fantastic, not bad at all, but they're they're nice. Yeah, I think they're fine. I like the, like you said, the art's really good. I like the standees of the characters. You can easily tell them apart. You could tell which ones are zombies and which ones aren't, right? Which is always good, but uh, yeah, that that helps bring out the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wish the player boards were a little bit thicker. They're kind of that thin. <coughs> yeah, they're kind of. I don't remember. Did they change that in the second one or not? For some reason, <laughs> I, thought, for some reason I thought they were chunkier. Anyways, perhaps. I think the player boards and the uh, location boards are a little bit thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with the standees, you know, I, I I like that they can put art on a standee versus a mini is just a plain gray thing. I do prefer minis; they're chunkier, they're nicer, but they're all a ton in this game, and it would I think with a bunch of minis, it would really clutter it up. I think yeah, like to Tim's point, you can tell the difference between the characters in this one. Where if you're looking at a bunch of like minis, it's well, what person? Right. You know. You'd have to have little bases. Yeah, I think bases. this is one of those games where standees fits better. Yeah, actually. it's just I, fine. I agree. Uh, so how strong is the theme in this game? It's pretty thematic for me. I uh, I feel like I'm controlling these survivors. we got our own objective. I don't know what you guys are doing. Um, I'm trying not to get bitten by zombies. You know, I feel I'm, I'm in the theme in this one. Yeah, I think it's pretty strong. The crosswords cards help bring that out too. Mm-hmm. You know, they give you a tough decision most of the time. You know, do you want to bring these people in that showed up, or do you want to turn them away? And if you do turn them away, what's going to happen? Or if you bring them in, maybe something good or bad's going to happen. So that's always cool how that that always works in. Yeah, it's it's definitely a zombie game where it doesn't feel like just a zombie game you're actually a colony trying to survive and it feels more about that 
necessarily yeah. than the zombie aspect, which I really like. Yeah, the theme zombies does not interest me, but right. how they did it fits well, and it really makes me enjoy the game more. Yeah. What do you guys think of the gameplay? I like it quite a bit. It's uh, it's tense and exciting. You're thinking the whole time, is there a traitor? Is there not a traitor? Well, why is he going to that location? What's he doing digging through, causing all these zombies to go over there? Or did he put uh, some cards that he... Uh, Sabotage the... Uh, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do that. Did he... Uh, the crisis? Yeah, there you go. Did he uh, put food in or medical supplies to help out the crisis? Did he not? You know, the personal goals for me are kind of a, they're a pro, but at the same time, it's kind of a con because it's so hard to tell if someone's a traitor. Oh, yeah. You you don't want to, like, try to exile somebody because if you're wrong, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Morale, I can't exactly remember how it works. So... I like it, but then at the same time, it's kind of one of those things. It's almost geared so much so that it, it puts that seed of doubt. Whether someone's been, if someone's been sketchy the whole game, but they're like, no, it's for my secret objective. I'm just trying yeah. to hoard cards. Yep. You know, that's. Which, for some people, that's going to be a pro, and other people, they're yeah. not going to enjoy that so much. Mm-hmm. I like the crossroads, crossroads mechanic a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, when an event happens and you're reading it off, the flavor text is really exciting. You might vote. You just might have a scene unfold in front of you. Mm-hmm. So for me, there are a few mechanics that really bring this game out. And I feel like if they weren't in there, the game would not be what it is. So the Crossworlds deck, huge. Um, you know, the player next to you draws a card. They secretly read it. If it triggers, then it goes. But I remember the one game. I think we were playing with you, me, and your brother. And we uncovered something, and then this like lumberjack, yeah, lumberjack comes guy running, running through naked the... through the woods or something like that. And we're like, what is going on? Yeah, so they, they always bring something out. So on my turn, I always want that to trigger mm-hmm. because it's always interesting it always helps you know bring that theme out like we said um so if that doesn't trigger in your t- on my turn i'm almost disappointed in a way it's like oh man i wish we should have went off you know you go to locations and most of your turn you're just drawing you're either drawing cards or killing zombies that's pretty much your turn for the most part so i think if the crossroads wasn't in there it would hurt a lot the secret objectives the semi-cooperative part is big for me. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot because you just never know. Are they sketchy? Can I trust yeah, Aaron? Can I trust Ryan? Usually I don't trust Ryan to begin with anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's always hard to trust him. Yeah. I'm always searching through the piles, making noise and you and guys it's every every game. I get <laughs> the blueprints to like every location. I got some night vision goggles yeah. and you guys are you just know. pissed off. And I, I cannot <laughs> trust you. Even if your cards turned over and it says, hey, I'm not a traitor. Not a traitor. You still don't it's trust like, me. There's something going on there. <laughs> See, so that's that's the other big thing. And then the um, the die. Where you move and you have to roll the die, or if you fight, you got to roll the die. You cannot tell me that is not weighted to that <laughs> tooth. 
Yeah, it's one side, I think, has a tooth. It, one side on, like, a D12? Yeah, it's a D12. It? There's no way that's – it's constantly getting rolled. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> but that's part of the fun because every time you roll it, it's like you're, like, sweating because you think it's going to hit every time. And it usually does. Curse you, probability. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my take on it. Yeah, um a lot of games I like being a hidden trader. This one, not so much, because um, you already, even if you are a regular player, not the trader, you're getting attacked by everyone else because they think you are. But if you are the trader and you make like one wrong move, they're calling you out and you get exiled. You know, it, it, I mean, I like that aspect. It's just when I play it, it's super tense and it's like stressful. It's it's is stressful. It, is yeah. it a good stress for you? It's, is it a bad stress? Well, I mean, in the end, you know, it's a game, so <laughs> it's, it's not a terrible stress, but it's a lot. I don't know if there's another game that I've had where I played a trader where it's that much stress. The game does a good job where if someone isn't good at bluffing, you're able to still be the trader and do yeah. well. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big part of it. You, need, you almost need that because if if you get called out and exiled right away because you can't lie, mm-hmm. yeah, then it's like, well, right. okay, now we're just going to go through the motions. We know this guy isn't part of the colony now. Yeah. We're going to just fight through the objective and not worry about if there's a traitor. Right. So I think it would hurt the game if it actually went the other way where it, was, where it helped make it obvious who the traitor was. Right. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games, like you said, Aaron, earlier, it's... It's good that the zombies play such a minor role in the game. So, uh, Ryan, what's your final rating on this? I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I like semi-co-ops. That's kind of a good type of co-op game for me. I give it an 8.5. Yeah, I do enjoy this game quite a bit as well. Uh, Ryan, you got the original Dead of Winter. And then when we went to Origins, what was it, three years ago? Yeah. Um, that is when the Dead of Winter Longest Night version came out. And so I liked it enough where I actually bought that copy. And that, that added a few variants that you can add to the game. It added bandits where you're not only just fighting zombies, but you're fighting bandits that show up at locations and steal cards. You can... One of the modules you can add in, it's... Um, basically, you could build up different items through the colony... Different event cards might help you add to it, so maybe you'll get a turret that could help fight the zombies, or maybe get a VCR to help with morale, watch a movie or something. Then there's like a Raxon module that you can add in. I never really looked into that too much, but there's different stuff. So anyways, uh, I would give it an 8. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, I'd be sitting at like a 7.5 to an 8. I feel depends on when we're playing it kind of thing. This is a, a game you don't want to save for the end of the night. Right. Just for me anyways. It's I'd like to play it a little like not the last game but like a second to last game. Um yeah, it's it feels it feels like it can get a little too long, but I still really enjoy the game. If you have too many people, right. and you got to if you have too many people, yeah, I could see that. It's one of those where it's not too heavy though and you just right. kind of you're having fun. Mm-hmm. type of thing yeah i could play i could play it anytime during game night, in my opinion but to your point ryan it's got to be the right people it has to be um the different uh 
scenarios. Yeah. So the different scenarios have length to them, too. Mm-hmm. So you could play a long scenario, you could play a short scenario, so it just kind of depends on where you want it to fall. Yeah, I definitely enjoy the short or medium ones better. I wouldn't want to do any of the long ones, really. Right. So that wraps up our review of Dead of Winter. So it is now time for our top ten thematic games. Ryan, when you put your list together, what what were you? I guess your criteria. Um, I kind of looked at the theme, how immersed I was into it, how much I enjoy the theme, and how much I enjoy the game as well. So I kind of melded those three together and kind of put my top ten together that way. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I was fairly similar, because it, it's kind of, uh, I mean, obviously any top ten we do is our opinion, but this one's even more so, I think, because it's, what do you consider thematic? You know, do you do you really feel like you're in the game or not? Um, so I, I kind of looked at that, how I felt, you know, after I get done with the game or when I'm playing the game, do I feel like I'm in that game? <clears throat> right, like in the world that the game is yeah. creating, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same for me. I mean, I don't know if my list follows it necessarily in like one order. Definitely the what games I feel most immersed in and the themes in general that I just really enjoy and, you know, how strong of a game they are in that theme because some themes have a ton of games. So mm-hmm. I picked, you know, the best ones for me in those categories. Yeah. It was really... What brought me in, and then kind of from that, okay, what order do I put it in? So it was kind of kind of a mix of both. Yeah, it was a harder one for me to put together. There's a lot of games that, there's some games I knew I would have on it. I didn't necessarily know the order, and there was a lot of them that were like, ah, it's real close. Which one do I? Yeah. Okay, so my number 10 is uh, Dungeon Pets, and that is a worker placement game and you're basically taking care of your little uh pet shop you have little fantasy little monsters they look kind of cutesy it's the same artwork by the guy that did uh alchemist i believe david cockert i think is his name but uh, i really enjoy the artwork vibrant it makes it look lighter than it is but the game is heavier than it looks and uh you're getting cages for your animals you're going out with your spending them in the shop and doing different things, you got to play with them. Um, you might need to take care of their magic problems, different things like that. And then you're showing them off at different shows and selling them to people. And I just really enjoyed. Felt like I was kind of taking care of my own little pet shop, basically. Hmm. When I was playing the game. Yeah, because if you, <clears throat> how does that work? If you mistreat them or you don't quite take care of them, do they run away? Too, They'll eventually. Yeah, they can die or. <laughs> escape yeah too if you don't have a strong enough cage things like that mm. you gotta clean up poops too right yep. Yep. oh yeah <laughs> you got to poop in the game yeah that's a that's a good one i played a few times and i always always enjoy the plays yeah it was an interesting different theme too and that's probably what helped mm-hmm. get it onto my list because that's like a sub sub game of like dungeon lords or something right yeah it's the same basically Dungeon Lords, I haven't played it, but as far as I know, that's you play the Dungeon Lord, and you have your imps and different things, and then this one is 
you're running the pet shop that you sell the pets to the dungeon lord eventually. Is so my number ten. It's a game. It was published in 2017 by Gale Force Nine. It's one that I know neither of you have played. I got it because um, my wife and I are big fans of the subject matter. And that is uh, Doctor Who, The Time of the Daleks. So we're big fans of the show. And um, it it really it makes you feel like you're one of the doctors. You take on the role of them. You get the companions that travel with the doctor. And you're kind of going around trying to complete different quests by rolling dice. It can be a little random. It's kind of a lighter game. But it, it really, I think it really does a good job of bringing that Doctor Who universe out. So does it, like, follow the series? Not quite. So, yeah, at the start of the game, everyone picks their Doctor. So everyone's playing Doctor Who. But I might be playing, like, the first Doctor, and you might be playing, like, the tenth Doctor. Mm. But then, uh, throughout the game, something might happen where you have to regenerate. So then you actually have to swap out your Doctor, a little miniature, your Doctor card you know, go from there, so then different... It kind of works a little differently then, mm. in a sense. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about the theme, and obviously the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's I haven't. Uh, it's one I haven't played. I probably won't play. I just... I'm in the vast minority where I don't like Doctor Who. Gotcha. But... I've literally never seen an episode, so I can't, <laughs> I can't weigh in either I've way. I've tried watching the first episode <clears throat> years ago, like a couple times, and I just couldn't do it but uh, i know it's got a huge fan base and it's really popular yeah. so you're missing out in my opinion so it, so it's i know like, it's not for everyone so it's like uh firefly to tim yeah yep. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so my number 10 is 1960 the making of the president it's a cool like campaigning game where i think it follows a lot of the like twilight struggle things where you're getting the opponent's cards that could benefit them but you can play events if they're your cards um you're just going around the united states trying to win over different cities and it just feels like you really are campaigning for the presidents yeah. i've only played i think one or two times maybe just once but it was just a really a, a theme that i had never played before you know and it shocked me how much i liked the game yeah it's uh i've only played it once and it's interesting because i like twilight struggle so much but it was cool because it, it feels like it does capture an election because you go to these states and you make a speech or whatever and then you start swinging the state towards you and then your opponent goes in after you and you can start swinging it towards them it was just it was interesting yeah the the event cards really help too because they're historical events that happen so it really helps bring that theme out and that's uh that, that game's a lot of fun i gotta gotta get up and that would have been yeah. kennedy versus nixon yep 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 this um i do have to admit i literally deleted it off my list just oh. before we started oh, it was, on there. Oh, it it was, was on there. it was gonna be my number so it's yeah. the short short it list. was <laughs> real short <laughs> So it got buckled off, huh? Just buckled, just just a little bit. Doctor Who bumped it off. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. Yeah. Well, I I will say, 
1960s is a better game. game. Oh yeah, but the, but I thought I think the theme comes out a little bit more. Mm. The bad theme in Doctor Who comes out more. <laughs> well, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my number nine is uh, Spirit Island. We reviewed that in our first episode, and uh, I just feel like when you're playing, I feel like I'm one of these spirits, and I'm growing in power as we play, and I'm doing what's best for the island, and that may be hurting some of the natives there as well, but I'm trying to get the colonists off the island from <coughs> blighting it, and I just I really feel like I'm trying to protect that island, basically. And it's my sacred land, and just really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The theme just drips for me. Yeah, like you said, we covered it in our first episode, um, so I'm not gonna go too deep into it. But yeah, it's uh, that's a good one. It's a very unique theme. Yeah, it's you. You don't get to play as these like kinds of spirits. No, sometimes you're the natives. Usually, you're the colonists. You're people. You're invading the territory. You don't get to play these funky spirits you know right yeah like i think of like uh empires age of discovery you know those kinds of games i feel like those themes are touched on a lot more yeah my number nine i'll admit it's the only mass market game on my list that if they actually somewhat consider a mass market so it shows up in target and whatever else. yeah so it's a 2018 release by wonder forge and it's villainous it's kind of a simple little hand management game, um, but the theme is you're playing the Disney villains. Whichever villain you are, it makes you get a good feeling of you're moving around, you're playing little allies from the movies, you're getting fates put on you, so then the heroes from your movie are getting played against you and it's kind of throwing you off, and you're trying to complete your goal to try to win the game. Yeah, you and I just played it recently. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, the art brings it out because it's right from the yeah, movies, you yeah. know, and it's very nostalgic having grown up with those kinds of movies, uh, and that. So that's pretty cool. I can see where you, you really get into the theme there. Just Disney themed songs in your head the whole time. Yeah, you know, exactly. So. so I haven't played this or really looked at it much. I know a little bit about it. So when you're you're playing a villain, yep, and let's say you play against Aaron, you're using your villain, and he's using heroes from your movie playing against you. Yeah. So what you do is um, you got your own personal board, your realm. So you're moving your your person around, your villain. So you have actions you take on each realm with on your board, right? So when you get to one spot, one of the actions might be fate. So what fate is, I would draw two of Aaron's cards, pick okay. one, and then play it on anywhere on his board. But the goal of the game is, what's the goal of the game? The goal is, so everyone has a different goal. So, But is that thematic if you're trying to beat another villain? Because they never fought against each other. Right, we don't really fight against each other. So it's not thematic. It is thematic. Do villains, the Disney villains ever go head to head? No, no, that's not the point. You're trying to complete your objective before the other one does that's where the competitive nature comes in the thematic ties are in like the card play and how you travel through your realm you're trying to complete all of your own objectives things in the movies happen to you know throw the villains off and it's those fake cards that you know tim plays 
in action. He gets three other actions on that spot, and one of them happens to be that fate. And so it's like he's out of like a third party, like okay. I was just trying to foil his pick. Yeah, was, <laughs> nice try. I got your back. Yeah, thanks. Well, when you first explained that, it didn't seem like well, how's that thematic? If yeah, this is villains going head to head. We're but. we are going head to head, but we're not. I'm not like. Yeah. fully attacking him. I'm playing cards from his fate deck, which he played uh, Jafar. Yeah. So when I faded him, I draw cards from his deck, so they're all yeah. cards to do with Aladdin. So maybe I'd play Aladdin. And I know what you mean. It's like the Disney theme. You grew yeah. up with it, and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. This yeah. is reliving this movie. And that type A little of stuff. nostalgic. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See? He gets it. <laughs> All right, so my number nine is a two-player-only game where one player is hunters and the other is, are raptors. The game is raptor. Yep. And surprisingly thematic. You know, I think you could have put a different theme on it, and it would have worked, but I really like the theme. Um, you know, you're playing cards you uh, to, as the explorers or hunters or whatever to capture the baby the baby raptors, baby raptors yep. and then the other player is playing as the mama raptor moving the babies around moving herself around trying to eat all the yep. dudes and it and the guys can use the humans can use like a jeep to move around you know like shoot the mama raptor with sleep darts yep, and sedator on, yeah. and it, it's very fun uh, it doesn't take too long but the theme i think is surprisingly strong yeah it uh i think it was originally supposed to be actually a lord of the rings theme but mm. it's kind of cool how they completely change the theme but it really does it fits well when you're playing as a raptors you know you feel like you're doing raptory things and when you're the, <laughs> you're, the, you're the scientist and you're you're shooting darts at the mama you're trying to capture the babies and all that stuff you know? yeah raptory things you know raptory <laughs> things. i have a question though yeah if you think a theme would work on it is the game really that thematic yeah i think that they picked think, uh, i think theme other because well, he mentioned that a, a different theme could work on it yeah yeah i think i'm that sure other themes could work on villainous <laughs> yeah i think other themes could work but i think this one is just really strong with the mechanics in the game okay yeah, i know what you mean though generally you think well it could only work for this game but there is some systems that you could make a theme. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Just make a theme Just fit to the mechanics. Words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Well, that's number nine for me. Okay. That's I was after. I was curious. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Yeah. My number eight is uh, Twilight Imperium Third Edition. Uh, would probably be the fourth edition, but Tim hasn't gotten it yet. I know yeah. we've been bugging him about it, but I, I know there's a lot of games or expansions on that list of things yeah. I need to get. So it's a uh, space opera, 4x, explore, expand, explore, exterminate. You're not doing really exploring though, because the map's already revealed. You're not uncovering stuff as you expand out, but. Um, you got like the strategy phase, strategy cards where you pick different things to do. Um, you're building up your technology, you combat your opponents, you can make allies as well with them, you're trading with them. Um, you can actually win too without even going to war. So it's, it feels like you're controlling your own 
civilization in space, you know, I felt pretty thematic. Yeah, and each each race plays completely different. So yeah. you might have one race that does great in trading or great in technology, or you might want to go to war with everyone. You know, so you got to kind of play that. It's it's pretty cool. It's one that's it, the play time is so long, and it's such a big game. I wish we can get it out more often, but it seems like once, maybe twice a year, we get it out. Yeah, so. it's really hard to get out, but when you do, it's a good feeling after you're done. Yeah. And you think, like, oh, where'd the last seven hours go? That's one of those good hurt games. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's harder to get out. I mean, it's like a third of a full game get, game day just in the one game. Yeah, it's two barrels and a hogshead. <laughs> what? <laughs> a 63 gallons and a hogshead. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Everyone. <laughs> okay. My number eight. Uh, it's a game I've had for quite some time. Uh, it came out in 2013 from Fantasy Flight. That is Eldritch Horror. You're basically you take the role of investigators, and you're uh, moving around the map. You're trying to each each game when you set it up, you're, you you put uh, a great old one that you fight against. So the goal of the game is to prevent the great old one from awakening and defeat them. So you're doing actions, moving around the board trying to take out different threats that pop up or whatever might happen. Uh, but, but the thing that really brings the theme out is the story cards. So at, depending on what location you're in, you're going to flip over a card, read through an event, uh, kind of go through. And for some reason, every time we play, whether it's lizard folk or goats or whatever the case is, it seems like it's always that that keeps following us. It, it's just dumb luck that it happens, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so we were playing once, and it was like, "Oh, lizard folk attack you!" And then the next guy reads his card. Oh, I ran into some lizard folk, and it just kind of, you know, you know, that's Lovecraft magic. That is, it's love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's pretty semantic. I feel like an old one by the time I'm done playing. <laughs> no, I could, I could. It is though. You're running around, and you're you're doing the different activities, and you're reading the flavor text on the cards and stuff. Yeah. yeah. You're <laughs> that that being said, you know it, it it is a long game, and it I definitely think it plays best at lower, lower player. Yeah. That's two or three, like pretty much tops. Yeah, yeah. you're really hitting on all cylinders. <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> so my number eight is um, Robinson Crusoe. Very good game. Another long game. A uh, lot going on. Cooperative. You're basically on an island. You're trying to move around the island and collect resources to build different tools and like medicine and you're going out and fighting animals and catching diseases and <laughs> you know there's just a lot of stuff on the, it's very feels very survival and the theme of the Robinson Crusoe lost on an island uh, just trying to survive the weather affects you you know if it'll snow or rain, whatever it is, the storms, yeah, yep. uh, it it all feels like, man, I gotta spend all this time making, like, a shovel <laughs> to yeah. do this other thing, and it, it hits that theme well of just survival on an island. And it feels like each time you play it, you, you have a story to tell from that game, something yeah. that happened, and you get shipwrecked, and then bad things keep happening and happening and you just you just get bad luck all over the place <laughs> yeah it's a game of very bad <laughs> luck <laughs> and you got to do your best to survive yeah 
You usually don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, my number seven is Dead of Winter. Uh, we just reviewed this game, this episode earlier, actually, so I won't go too into it, but you really feel like you're struggling for survival, you're trying to stay away from the zombies, you don't trust anyone else. I just feel it's a pretty thematic game. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's got a lot of great elements that a lot of other zombie games lack on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a different type of zombie game. Mm-hmm. Right. My number seven, it is a game from 2013. And looking at it, I did not mean to do this, but it's level seven Omega Protocol. Wow. Oh, number My seven. number seven. Number seven. seven. Yeah. Level yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so this, this is a one versus many game. One player plays... Uh, is it called like an overlord? Is that what it is? Or? Yeah, overseer, I think they're called as overseer, but yeah, they're playing. Yeah. So one one player controls the aliens, what they do, and the other people on the table, they're playing commandos, commandos that come into, uh, into this compound, and they're kind of working their way through it. Each map is different. You kind of set it up at the beginning of the game. Uh, we have kind of a story that we're kind of fighting through. You know, we're trying to get to one side of the compound. We're trying to get somebody out, some scientist or whatever the case may be. And all these aliens are just coming at you. It gives like the, almost like, uh, what is it, aliens, the second one, when all those aliens are coming at you and you're just like gunning them down and trying to survive. It re- really brings that out. Yeah, it's... Uh... I played both sides of it, and it's a real different feel for both sides, but you have an intense feeling when you're playing. Yeah, it's real tense. I really like that the aliens' like action points are based off of like how much fear, adrenaline that the commandos produce in the round. They they spend fear or adrenaline rather to do their actions, and then the alien takes everything they've spent and gets to a lot that to yeah. the things their aliens are doing. It's a know? really cool mechanic. Yeah. My number seven, we uh, reviewed in this episode, and Ryan said he wouldn't talk much about it. Then I'm going to talk even less about it. <laughs> Dead of winter. <laughs> right on. Uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, enough said. <laughs> yep. My number six is a. Uh, hidden movement game and i think i like this one more than other ones i play just because it plays quicker and it feels so intense when i'm playing uh that is specter ops and one person is the agent and they're sneaking around this building slinking around trying to arm some stuff move and then eventually escape and when you're the hunters you're going where is this guy? I have no idea where he is. Where, where can he be? He's gone. And then, oh, he's arming something over there, and you're scrambling to get over there. And the agent's going, they know where I am. They know where I am. Like, there's no chance. <laughs> and it's just a really tense feeling on both sides, and it plays so quick for the whole, t- the whole time you're sweating, but it just has that really good feeling. Yeah, if you want to play a game that really stresses you out, <laughs> yeah, play as the... The agent, the agent yeah. where, man, because as soon as you start, it's like, okay, I want to just start running, but if you run too fast, they're going to scan, they're going to know I'm in the Northwest, or whichever the case is, so it's like, uh, well, I, I want to do it, but I don't want to, and maybe they won't do it, and it's just questioning yourself the whole way, and just stressed out, mm-hmm. you know, you might be hiding around the corner, and someone might come right up next to you, and you're kind of 
Yeah, like a space away. Yeah, it's just like, a space Ooh! away, and you're hiding just... in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, that it definitely has a huge intensity, and the theme is great. You know, when I play as like the werewolf dude, I you're, you're sniffing out. around, you're <clears throat> sniffing out the suspect or the agent rather, and it yeah, it's very strong. My number six, I don't have a date for it because it's. There's a few different versions that have released, uh, and that is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I will say, if you don't like to read, don't play this game, because that's basically... If you don't like reading, the don't game. play this yeah, game. Don't <laughs> read it. So, there's kind of a board, there's a map you fold out of London, or whichever you're playing, and you get a case book. So you just start off, you start reading through the case book, it sets the case up, and you're working your way trying to solve this murder mystery, or whatever the case is. There is another version, um, Mythos Tales, which is basically the same, but it's in the Cthulhu Mythos a little bit. Um, I prefer Consulting Detective better of the two, but they both give you the feel of I'm out there, I'm trying to solve this case, you know, what's going on? I'm going to go try to interview this person, nope, they don't know anything, or maybe they lied to me, what's going on, so. Yeah, for me, it definitely feels thematic, because every time I play Sherlock, is way better than me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. And that's how it would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the game, when it reveals, you have some questions you have to answer. And I'm lucky enough to get two or three. And then Sherlock Holmes is, oh, I answered them all in like four spots I went to. And, yep. and I, I went everything. To, and I went to 36 and yep. got two questions right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of reading, a lot of running around. I feel like I am just running around without a clue. I, <laughs> and it is a lot of, I, I do enjoy playing it cause I like the deduction. You know, I like the, like feeling like a detective kind of thing. Mm. Just suck at it. <laughs> Very fun though. So my number six, Ryan and I must have a wavelength going here. Cause uh, my number six is also specter ops. I'm just not going to talk much about my games in this top <laughs> ten. <laughs> uh, that, that's okay. It, <laughs> again, yeah, it's just super tense. Yeah. And I really feel like I am that agent or I am that character that I'm hunting. And it just, as. It's cool because it has it for both sides. It's more tense as the agent, but when you are the hunters, you're just thinking, where is this guy? Yeah. You just don't know. Exactly. You're never sure. All right, my number five is uh, This War of Mine, and I think I just got a whew from Aaron because he didn't pick it finally. Yep. <laughs> At whew. least next. Um, now, we had played this, and I don't imagine to know what it's like to be like in a country when it's under in war, you know what I mean? Right. But it's got <clears throat> that, it just depresses you playing it. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone you don't know what they're going to do they do unexpected things everyone screws you over or they might help you people in your base they die because they don't have the cigarettes they wanted you know they the one thing they're living for so just things like that i really enjoyed it too and uh that's kind of a weird thing saying i enjoyed it but it just felt yeah. it felt thematic you know yeah 
Yeah, it's a different type of game as well because whoever's playing, we're all controlling these few survivors in this house. So we're, you know, doing actions with them in a sense, but it's not that you control a guy, I control a guy, whatever the case is. We're all working together to try to do this. And again, the thing that brings it out is the storybook that yeah. comes with it. So, like, for instance, there was one when I went to the supermarket and it was like, oh, there's a backpack there. And what do you want to do with the backpack? Oh, you know, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to check it out. And then you see a kid laying there. Well, do you think he's sleeping or not? And, you know, mm-hmm. turns out he was dead. So now you lose morale because you feel bad about stealing from a dead kid. You know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's real dark. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it really brings up the amount. Yeah, it's a very emotional game. But that's the theme. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah. And it does a great job at it. Mm-hmm. My number five I gotta be specific with it because there's plenty of different versions of it, and that is legendary encounters. So I think the legendary games are fairly thematic. Thematic. So can a game be thematic if it has a system across many themes? Well, this is this is why I'm this is why I'm being specific. So legendary encounters, I could pick. I mean, you could pick aliens or predator. But they really make you feel like you're playing through the movies. And that's why I'm saying it's the encounter, encounter version. Because they thus each movie or scenario it sets up geared towards that. Mm-hmm. So you're playing through, you know, you may play through the first Predator. So you got to first go and try to find the camp. And then all of a sudden the Predator shows up. And then you're trying to kill the Predator and survive. or And escape through the choppa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a fun game. When we played through, you and I, through the first movie, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. You're heal- I took so many wounds, and you're like healing me the whole time, and then you die right at the end, and I escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, it's a, I love the theme, because I love the movie. Yeah, yeah I, played the, uh, I played the Alien one. Yeah, you haven't played that. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Because you're playing, and then you can actually turn into one of the aliens, too. And Yeah, the Predator, I don't think you turn into a Predator. I think what happens is you can either play as the humans, or you can play as the Predator. Right. Where you're, like, hunting the people mm-hmm. well, in the movie. theme. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. My number five is Shadows Over Camelot. I don't know if necessarily the mechanics in the game make it feel thematic, but like the board and, you know, you're playing cards to fight off the Picts and the Saxons, but you're fighting off Picts, you're fighting off Saxons, you're questing for the Grail, you're putting out, you're trying to do heroic acts. Yeah, you're trying to find uh, the sword. Right, exactly. And the theme I just really enjoy I think a lot of it is... Uh, Knights of the Round Table, King yeah. Arthur, the Avalon, you know, that whole thing. I really enjoy the theme. That's why it's one of those ones that's really high, because I think it's a really good game that I really like the theme of. Yep. So is it thematic, or do you just really like the theme? Really like the theme. Well, I think that's what, what makes it thematic, like when we're playing it, is we're all role-playing so much, just yeah. acting like... Acting like actually, a bunch of goons. Yeah, we actually kind of... <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's a lot of Monty Python. Yeah, references. References. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and you know the uh, defector. That's uh, I love playing as the defector. When I get dealt that card, I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Yep, I am the traitor. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually every time we played or the last few times we played, I always want to be the traitor. Yeah, like, you want to be that guy because that, you know you got the yep. you got the power to just yep. screw with everyone. You got it in your back pocket yeah. to just change the game. Right. All right, my number four, uh, Aaron actually stole my thunder earlier, and that was uh, Robinson Crusoe. And, yeah, it's just every time I play, there's a crazy story that happens. One time I remember we were playing, two of us were in the camp, two guys left the camp, we're bumbling around out in the woods or something, we come back, we had to sleep overnight because we got lost, we come back to the camp, the camp's destroyed. Like you guys are <laughs> hanging on to life, and we're like fine. You know, we got a good night's sleep, and you guys are just looking real bleak and wounded. And yeah, you started off getting lost, so you're worried about it. Mm-hmm. And then the camp just got wiped out. Me and the other guy were just right at the end to dying. Yeah. And here you guys come walking. Oh, I guess getting all stuck this out food yeah. and <laughs> getting stuck out in the wilderness wasn't so bad. Yeah, I had two pairs of gloves. It's the Rockies, you know. <laughs> My number four, it was mentioned already from 2017, uh, This War of Mine. Not sure what more I could say. That hasn't been said, but uh, yeah, it's very thematic. Good pick, I'll say. (laughs) My number four is a game that I would like to play the newest version of that you guys have played. Uh, It's Evolution. You guys played Evolution Climate. You know, it, it feels thematic for me because you're getting these these different species. You're um, giving them new traits, you know, like hiding underground and hiding from the carnivores, but you still got to eat. And it, it's more thematic playing as like a carnivore because you're trying to chomp on everyone else's uh, creatures, basically. And I think the climate would add a lot more because, you know, you're going through, like, drastic heat and drastic cold. and it, Yeah, the climate really, when we played, it really killed, because it always depends which way it goes. Mm-hmm. But if it gets too hot, it's going to, you know, kill animals with fur. It's going to kill off some plants. But same thing if it gets too cold. Too cold, the food it's, supply really dwindles yeah, down. Yeah, so that's, I think that's what happened to us. It got too yeah. cold. And the, there will, the people that were the carnivores were going nuts, and everyone else that needed food were just wasting away. Yeah, it's cool because you evolve your animal over the course of the game, so it really feels thematic that way, where over time they're changing their traits that they have. So right. Definitely. All right. My number three is Mage Knight, the board game. And that, to me, is just the ultimate adventure game i love fantasy and this is the one game i play where i feel like i'm moving around the board i'm exploring new tiles uh, revealing different cities different enemies that i fight i get fame when i kill them um if it's an enemy that's rampaging about the land i kill him i get reputation if i kill someone that's locked up in a tower that's not hurting the townsfolk i'm losing reputation Um, I feel more powerful as I go, so I'm recruiting units, basically, to fight alongside me. So I'm 
eventually I'm tearing down cities, and it's just really, it's the ultimate adventure fantasy theme game for me. Yeah, there's a lot of games that like try to do that, and I don't think work out as well from the one play that I've had. Yeah. Yeah, I just need to play it more. My number three. It's a fairly new game, and we just reviewed it. Western Legend. And you know, there's a bunch. You know, we talked about it earlier, but there's a lot of different things you can do in it that really make you feel like you're in the old west. Yeah. So you could go in and rob a bank shoot up the wanted track and then you know maybe you got the sheriff coming after you or maybe the marshal players coming after you just really brings it out mm. yeah it's got solid solid theme yeah it's a, it's a cool theme and uh they manage to cram a lot of different things about the old west into the game my number three tim already mentioned sort of he said sherlock holmes consulting detective i picked mythos tales over that because I love reading Lovecraft books anyways, and so I get to like kind of play through that world in the very heavily story-driven game. You know, I feel like I'm in one of the stories trying to go around and be that detective, trying to figure it out. Every time we've played, you know, you like H.P. Lovecraft, I like it. I don't think I would like to play the game with people who are like not into it at all. What are you trying to say? Here? <laughs> right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but very strong theme for me and fun game. Which one do you guys like better? Like as a game, like which one do you enjoy more? I like Mythos Tales better because it has a time limit. I can't visit like okay. a thousand places. Okay. Um, so it is tr- it's really forcing me to think more. Whereas in Sherlock, I feel a lot more open and that like, Oh, I got time. Almost, I can go here. Yeah. Still, I can go here yet. Okay. That's almost a fault of it. In my opinion, I would slightly disagree. I actually like Sherlock Holmes better. If I was to pick Sherlock Holmes or HP Lovecraft, that theme, I would go HP Lovecraft, but the games that I've played of Sherlock Holmes, they're more memorable to me. You know, I played a game with my mom, and I still remember, we actually, that was the best game that I'd ever played, as scoring-wise. Like, I remember us going through and actually figuring stuff out, and, you know, this and that, so I, it's more memorable. Maybe it was because I was playing with my mom, but whatever the case is, but that's my, my take on it, I guess. I don't mind not having the time track in there either because they do split it a little bit. A lot of times in those cases you have your main story and then there's kind of like a little subplot. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I miss that subplot, you know, Oh, who's the tall man that was talking to the woman? Right. What? What tall man? Yeah. Well, I never saw that. <laughs> this is a city of dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're real close, but that's my opinion. Okay. So what I take from that from you is that your mom's good at the game but not you. That's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My number two is, uh, Tim, you mentioned that is level seven Omega protocol. And when you're playing as the overseer, you're thinking, Oh, they're going to go into this room and I got all these monsters set up or I can spawn these monsters and just take out these commandos. And when, uh, you're playing as a commandos, you're gearing up 
to go in there and you're just letting loose with the gunfire, just mowing down the aliens. And it's a real satisfying feeling on both sides. And like you mentioned, Aaron, that adrenaline system really is really unique and cool where you're spending their adrenaline, the fear that they're giving off. And that's, you're using that as your actions. Mm -hmm. My number two, I will be very surprised if it's not on your list, Ryan. And that is <laughs> War of the Ring. That's a shoehorn one. That's, I, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's, you know, one of the games, actually, I think it was the first time we played it, when we basically played the book right up to the end, where you could corrupt me, but Gollum took the corruption hit, and I was able to drop the ring in. Yeah, reveal. With the last. Took, yeah, took the hit and. Basically, the last thing I could do. So it's just super thematic. You're, when I play the free people, I always feel like it's just, there's no way I'm going to survive. I always feel like the shadow player is just steamrolling my capitals and just taking me out here and there. So I'm, it's almost, I'm trying to race down, but I don't want to go too far with the ring. It's good back and forth. Yeah, it really captures Lord of the Rings in a box, and uh, I don't really have anything else to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not impressed. <laughs> I can't say anything because again, still haven't you played still it. Haven't played that still game? haven't played that mm -hmm. game. Sounds pretty cool though. <laughs> it's okay. My number two has not been mentioned yet by Tim specifically. That's Eldritchora. Great game. I, I thought you were gonna like say Warsaw or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said great thematic game. It's a great thematic game. <laughs> Theme's great. Like the game. Gotta be under four players. Um, I just like running around, getting the like events in the different, you know, because you get different events based on the like location type you're at, and so that really helps it for me. Yeah, I, I have played this game quite a few times, and I do have a lot of memorable moments. I remember one time we were playing with a buddy. I had. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. It was you like devour him. Yeah, it was some oh. sort of curse. It was a curse that I had, or something like that. And I rolled a die. It landed on the one spot where I had to do the thing on my card, and it made me devour someone else, not myself. And we all look over at the one guy, and he's like, "What? It's going to be me, huh?" Well, so <laughs> if I remember right, what happened was he got devoured. Yeah, he got killed earlier. shortly before that, so he didn't have a lot of yep, items. So Everyone kind of looks at him. He's just like, "Great, I got to start a new yep, character." So then he's all mad because he got devoured like twice yeah. back to back. He's, he's bragging. He's got like some Australian guy with like a fishing, fishing net. net. <laughs> he's all so, pumped about it. I do have some good memories of playing. Mm -hmm. All right, and my number one, Tim. Uh, you guessed it, War of the Rings Second Edition. Yeah, it just really captures uh, Lord of the Rings in a box, and you're playing as a free people. You feel like you got no shot. With the army, you're just struggling to stay alive in these strongholds as much as you can, holding out hope that the ring bearers can deliver the ring into Mount Doom. When you're playing, you're delivering the ring, you're thinking, oh man, I'm getting corrupted, but I'm just going to keep trucking along. When you're the shadow player, you're, where's that ring? i got to find them. Let's get the armies out there. Let's take over the free people. But yeah, it's just great game, great thematic game. It's my number one. That surprises me. Yeah, very shocking to you guys, I know, but I guess anytime I get a chance to talk about it, I will. He's just going to bang that drum. Oh, yeah, every list number. 
<laughs> my favorite work replacement. Yep. <laughs> favorite abstract. <laughs> Anyways, my favorite thematic game, and in my opinion, it is the most thematic game that you've played. That I've played. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that has to be a criteria. I have to play it. <laughs> right. And that is Robinson Crusoe. Mm. You guys mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to bring up the uh, that story where two of us went in the jungle, camp got wiped out. I mean, it's it's almost every game it's like that, where it, you've shipwrecked on the island, and that's how you feel. There's no hope for survival. You're just going to mm. get wiped out. And that's typically what happens. I mean, <laughs> and those, the couple times we have won... It's like you're jumping up and down, high-fiving each other. It rarely happens, but it feels like you've been rescued off this just awful island. Yeah, yeah. and then you wonder if you did something wrong. Like, yeah. Did I screw that yeah, up? Yeah, we got some rules wrong. <laughs> we should have won that, not something, yeah. And the gameplay is rewarding enough that, you know, when you do lose, it's not like, oh, we just wasted two and a half hours, however long the game yeah. takes. We even still have a lot of fun playing it. We even played that one time. We went to that game store in Oshkosh yep. where we set it up, Played like a turn and a half, and we were just wiped out instantly. And okay, let's let's put it away. Let's get something else. <laughs> yeah, we're fighting cannibals. I think it was. Yeah, Cannibal the cannibals Island. wiped Cannibal us out. Island. Yeah. <laughs> My number one is a one versus many, and that is Fury of Dracula. I don't. You second guessing yourself? No, no. no. <laughs> it's off the list. I just really enjoy playing Dracula. When I play it as Dracula, it feels just great. It, it's got that like um, tense feeling like almost all the time. They're like right on your trail. But when you're playing as him, you know, you I really like you're moving around hiding and, you know, you can travel by sea. Everything in the card play feels thematic. Um, the art... In my opinion, it looks really nice. It looks like a nice old map. Yeah. And I think that I like playing the game a lot more as Dracula. It's still fun as the Hunters and still thematic. But it's a game that I enjoy the theme the most where I am also feel immersed. It's got like the best of column A and B in this segment for me. Yeah, definitely. I want to try playing as Dracula sometime. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah like you'll it. have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this was on my short list. Yeah, it's it's really good. I I've liked playing Dracula or the Hunters. In my opinion, I like it better at three players. Yeah, where the Hunters control two characters each, and then it, it seems like it, it gives you more to do on your turns. Yeah. So it's not just oh, I got one action, one action, one action. You know. So, um, yeah, I, I think it really brings the, the theme of the book out. You know, your Dracula's going around spreading his influence and creating vampires, and the hunters are trying to find his trail and get on that and chase him down. So, yeah. That wraps up our top ten thematic games. So, before we roll out of here and end the episode... Do you guys have anything that you want to bring up? Anything new, interesting, fun facts? I saw uh, Wingspan looks interesting by Stonemaier Games. 
And that's it's not actually designed by Jamie. Uh, it's designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, and uh, I think it's supposed to release in uh, early March. Looks like a medium weight engine builder type game with amazing production quality as normal from Stormire Games. Yeah, the components are cool. I think there was is there a picture of like a a little dice tower that comes in it. It's actually like a birdhouse bird that you drop the yeah. It looks dice like you got some little yeah. bird eggs and yeah and stuff. Yeah. So. I think this was the game that. Um, Aaron was supposed to buy, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. That's a game you guys uh, thought looked good enough for me to buy. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> where, where is that line? No, no, it does look really cool, though. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. It, speaking of uh, villainous before in uh, Aladdin, so <laughs> if you guys had a genie and he could grant three wishes, and the three wishes have to be you could play any game, he has it. He knows it, he'll teach it, and he'll play it with you. What three games would you pick? <laughs> is he going to be like one of those one of those guys that teaches the rules and just crushes you, or is he going to play forever? Whatever you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my wish, so I can... Yep. Um, the first one that really comes to mind, it's a game that's been on my wish list probably since we got into the hobby. And it was something I had a shot at actually buying online at one point, and I waited, and a few days later it was out of stock, and I haven't seen it in stock since. And that was uh, Carnival Zombie. Just kind of a interesting game where you're working your way through, I think, um, I think it was Venice. I think so. I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah, I want to say it was Venice. So you're like working your way through the town. There was like a day and a night phase where... During one phase, I could be way off on this, but I think one phase you go out and you get supplies and stuff like that. And then during the night phase, they attack. So you're kind of trying to fight off this horde of zombies. So it was one I've always kind of been interested in. The other one, if I had two games, did you say? Or just any game? Three. Oh, it's three? Oh, My second game, I would say... Pass of Glory by GMT Games. It was, I don't think it's on the top 100 games anymore on BGG, but it's one that's always kind of interested me. It's um, card driven. You're kind of playing through World War One. And my third game, if I had to pick one, I would say Transatlantic. So it's one I, I haven't looked a lot into. It's a little older, but it's made by the same designer of Concordia, Concordia which I finally played Concordia and loved it. So I'd be really interested to check this one out. I heard it's kind of I think the card similar. is real similar. Where you play the card, yeah, it's endgame scoring as well on the bottom of it, I think. Yeah, so I'd, I'd really like to look into that one. The question is... Are these games I want to play with the genie because he's a genie? <laughs> no, I know that's not what you're getting at, but my I guess my first one would probably be War of the Ring because that's probably the only way I'm going to get to play it. We just keep talking about it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would actually like to try that. Let's so. do Warsaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And my second one would be, now that I've played Brass Lancashire... I'd like to play Brass Birmingham and see what it's all about, see the differences, because I really liked Lancashire. 
And my third one would be another one that you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> we can be your genies. <laughs> and and that, that would be that would be that'd be Gloomhaven. Oh yeah. That'd be, yeah, it'd be one I'd I'd really like to try. You could, because I'd be willing to play back some of the scenarios where it wouldn't be the legacy scenario type. Which, to me, that's part of the charm of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of building your character up, you're learning stuff. But you could actually play kind of one-off scenarios here and there. So you, re- so you really will be my genie? I could be your genie. All right. <laughs> so I think my three would be, uh, we're going to go with Warrior Knights. That's uh, kind of like a Twilight Imperium, but fantasy-ish, medieval, I guess. And it's Fantasy Flight and Games Workshop. That's when they were merged and now they're split, so that won't happen again. It won't be reprinted or anything. Um, I guess an 18x game that is like the definitive, what they think is like the best one or one of the best ones. You know, I'd like to just try one of those. I have no idea, or I might not even like it at all, but I just want to try it sometime. Like economic games, Hmm. uh, longer, heavier. And then uh, Guns of Gettysburg, I'd like to try that out. I went to Gettysburg when I was a kid, loved it. I love the Civil War, so I just really like to try that out as well. Hmm. So a question that I just thought of. So two of us have games that everyone else in the group's played except for us. So mine is Warsaw, mm-hmm. or Clank in Space. <laughs> Yours is War of the Ring, or Twilight Struggle, right? Mm-hmm. What is your game? That someone else in the group has that I haven't played. That that you want. To is play. is there even one? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, it's probably oh Gloomhaven, but I know I'm gonna be playing that with my brother. Yeah, that, that doesn't. Real soon. A Feast for Odin or one of your war games, like Churchill or something. I'd like to give one of your corn games another try. I think we got a bad. Uh, <laughs> start to that yeah kind of a annoying person uh basically chiming in or berating us the whole time we're kind of playing it, not even telling us how to play not even when we were playing when yeah. we were done playing yeah. he kept coming back around it's like okay you're you're a nice guy but yeah it kind of took away from the experience and even during yeah the rules explanation he's sitting there talking and I know he's excited for us to play, but he really brought it down. He wasn't even in our game. He just kind of... No. Just oh, yeah. passerby kind of thing. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> Stop. Say hi. Oh, what are you doing? What are you playing? But, right. Like, we're trying to play as well. Um, and we just uh, played Dinosaur Island in our last game night. Oh, yeah. I was excited to get that. I love the theme. That was fun. You, you say we. <laughs> yeah. Not, not me. Well, I didn't, I didn't Well, we it. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to counter that, you guys didn't play it, but I played Australia with a Z. <laughs> um, that That's kind of a cool train farming game with Cthulhu. It's kind of a weird theme, but it's, it, it actually works. Um, so that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was disappointed with that game day because you both picked. We had to split the group, and Ryan picked Brass, which I really wanted to play. And Tip, Tim picked Australia, which I really wanted to play. At the same time, they picked these games. You got to pick. So I was forced. <laughs> Brass has been on my list a lot longer, so I had to go with that. 
Yeah, well, I was just scrolling through my cool stuff wish list and noticed that the Ladybug expansion was back out for Hive, back in stock. So that's oh, pretty... you already got the Praying Mantis and the Caterpillar one. <laughs> yep. Okay. The mosquito, that's one too, right? Yeah, there's there's actually the mosquito. The arachnids, that's yeah. be in there. The pill bug, I think, right? Yes, the pill bug. Yeah, the inchworm, that's he's got that locked up. Well, I'm excited for it because I like the game. It's a fun, quick game. I know next year they're coming out with the bumblebee. So that should be good. All right. Yep. Tiles are a little bit thicker, puffier. <laughs> Is there a stink bug too? <laughs> the bumblebee, huh? Thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week on Table Talk, we discuss rule books, the good, bad, and the ugly. We review Anachrony and Architects of the West Kingdom. We go over our top 10 worker placement games. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Dual Win Games. And remember, there are two barrels in a hogshead. <laughs>